because Cavan are great, generous, they're a they wonderful are. GEA people. Their support is magnificent, through thick and thin. We're not going into the game to get close to Tyrone. We're certainly not going into that game looking for anything other than a win. Here's Martin Riley. Goal, surely. McVitie scores. Moyna feeds it forward to Mackey. Mischief here. Garrett McKiernan, Garrett, 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 Garrett McKiernan. David Gibney. Sealed it for Kevin. Tony Johnston. Well taken in by Raymond Gallagher. Terry Highland uh, epitomises everything that's good about people involved. He's in it for all the right reasons. He's been blackguarded in Cavan because of things going wrong. Mm. And he's stuck at it and stuck at it and stuck. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another McAvoy Super Value. We are Cavan GEA Podcast. I'm Damien Donoghue. Delighted to be joined in studio to this evening by sports commentator with Northern Sound, Michael Brennan, and uh, general all-round uh, handyman, especially when it comes to a mic. Uh, and of course, the sports editor of the Anglo-Celt, Paul Fitzpatrick. We're going to be looking back. Am I, am I not a handyman? Definitely not. No, you're, you're a footman. <laughs> <laughs> footman, mate. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Moving on swiftly. <laughs> the uh, looking back over, we're going to be looking back over the weekend. Lovely uh, day in Kingspan Refney Park. Weather-wise, great day for the seniors. Not such a good day for the minors. But we start off, I suppose, on a positive note. And Mickey, looking back over it, there was a lot of raised eyebrows when the team was named. When uh, Kieran Brady, Killian Brady, and obviously Jason McLaughlin were were um, left out of the team. Jason McLaughlin through injury, but. Terry Highland, you, you can't argue with it. Even with Buchanan being taken out and Mackey going in, he, he got a selection 100% right. Yeah, well, uh, he did indeed. Like the, the, Those lads would feel aggrieved not to have been playing, but, you know, it's horses for courses, and I'm sure that Terry had done his research on the Armagh team. We'd been speaking to uh, someone who had heard about uh, the closed-door training that Armagh were doing over the last six weeks, and one of the things that they had been doing was they were um, practising... Uh, when they lost the ball in attack getting back into defence and from what I heard is that they were literally practising getting right back to the 45 metre line not putting tackles in getting back to the 45 metre line and starting their their tackling from there which meant that that would suit the likes of Key and Mackey, the likes of Martin Riley where they had open spaces in front of them to run with the ball Um, and you know, I I think that Terry and his uh, his management team had looked at that and says, look, that's going to suit the likes of Key and Mackey and the likes of um, Martin Riley, mm. and maybe that's the reason why they didn't use Liam Buchanan in the middle of the field because he probably would have been wasted. As in, you know, he, he wouldn't be the type of man to carry the ball 40, 50 meters, take on a man, break a tackle, and then lay it off. It was a team, Paul, full of speed. It really had had an emphasis on 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 speed and transition. Yeah, definitely. <coughs> Excuse me. Darren McFeedy, and it's an absolute flyer, and so is Martin Riley. And Kian Mackey showed that he, you know, he's probably not the, the quickest man in the county as he was at one stage, but he's still a very, very quick player. And he showed that like there was question marks about his his fitness and his form coming into it, but he came from nowhere. I don't think anyone expected Mackey to start that game. No, but he came from nowhere and he was absolutely brilliant. I thought he was fantastic. Even yeah, you, you, as well as that, you look back at two years ago. I think it was no three years ago, two thousand and thirteen, when Kian Mackey took Armagh apart. You know, and maybe maybe Terry had looked at that and says, "Well, this is another day where Kean could actually do that." And he was instrumental in the first score that Cavan got. Took on his man, went to another man, and as the the the, the player came to tackle him, he slipped the ball off to his right to Shawnee Johnson, who was off his shoulder, and Shawnee scored our opening score on uh, on the second minute. And it was a great pass and a great bit of movement by Mackey to create that score. But they looked like they really enjoying themselves the forwards, like mm. they were throwing the ball around. They weren't afraid to, to try things. They were throwing around passes they were taking on men like it was brilliant they really are playing with a smile on their face as well yeah do, 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 the comment on the Sunday game and I think on, on some of the podcasts I was listening to since were kind of critical of the way Armagh 
didn't really put pressure on either the middle toward or the scoring zone. They were stuck in a midway between the two that it meant Cavan could firstly ping the sort of balls they wanted into that scoring zone and then when they got into the scoring zone they had the space to still get the shot away. So it was almost like Armagh were stuck to the 45 metre line trying to defend it and even though the ball was further out or further in they were still around that 45 metre line area Yeah that was the that was the point I was uh, saying about Terry having obviously done his research on how uh, Armagh were going to approach the game because it was quite evident from the start that any time they lost the ball they ran aimlessly back to their defence but then when they were in the defence as you said they were, they were aimless as well. They didn't. They were, nobody was putting pressure on a player, and everybody seemed to be passing the book. And yet, Calvin could still find space in a crowded area. Um, whereas you do that against Tyrone. Number one, Tyrone will filter back, but they won't filter back past the 65 or the midfield area. They like to put pressure on you out there. Whereas Calvin were able to get right up to the 45 against Armagh and then spray a pass either side to an open man. I think the difference with Tyrone will be simply that whether it be Colin Kavanagh or maybe Tiernan McCann or maybe both of them, they'll go right back in front of our full forward line and the others will continue to create pressure yeah. right in the middle of the field. So they they allocate two players or one to go back, turn your back under the ball and get yourself back behind our half-back line or their, their half-back line, whereas Armagh seem to want everybody just to go and retreat without anybody putting any pressure on the ball. So, But it's, it's a great position to be in getting through to an Ulster semi-final like that with a big win promotion secured so they've ticked all those boxes but on top of that they've got a dress rehearsal against Tyrone you couldn't ask for better from a manager mm. point of view you've got a chance against Tyrone and if they'd have beaten Tyrone it would be a great confidence booster but it probably would add a little bit of pressure because you'd imagine the team that loses should learn a little bit more that, that goes back to what we talked about last week I was saying to you Damien about the this classic GA logic where one team hammers another team and it's seen as a negative for the, for the team that won and I, I think that that's we all think that because we're all thinking back to the days of yore where where um, that can happen and suddenly that might happen in a league game before Christmas when teams aren't fit or something and suddenly they have this extra bit of motivation. But the days when you can bang a table and get a bit get a better performance by ringing a bit of uh, motivation out of your players from something like that are long gone. I think teams are too well prepared for that. And we've seen that with with Tyrone beating Derry five times this year. Hmm. You know, people were thinking, "Oh, geez, I'd never beaten five times in the one year." Cavan have beaten Armagh three times this year, so you know. So, but I do think that if if you've only played once, or you played twice, like the like Cavan have with Tyrone, it's been tight. But I do think that that they haven't hammered us, and there's scope for Cavan to turn over that that result because we know exactly how they're going to play now. And we are a different team than we were in the first round of the league. Yeah, the dress rehearsal that you're talking about was uh, the league final in Crow Park. And in fairness, they beat us by five points. Um, it was nip and tuck until uh, Tyrone got the goal. But in the first half, four major mistakes that Cavan made were punished and four points came off that. So, like, you know, you take those four mistakes out of it if you can going into the next game, you, t- you eradicate all the silly mistakes. And you're looking at a one-point game, and that you know that's when you look at it. They beat us by two points in the league in the first round, and then beat us by five in the final. But due to those four mistakes, and again in the league, the league match down in Oma, we were down there, Damien, and you know, uh, Cavan had four shots in a row from the D in the second half that all went wide mm-hmm. at a crucial stage of that game with about eight. With ten fifteen minutes to go, so like we're not. Sean, Sean Johnson wasn't playing that day. He only came on for a few minutes. Well. Givney was really rusty. But the whole team has changed since then. David Givney and Garold McKiernan were midfield that day, and you know, like the whole mm. dynamic of that team has totally changed. It probably changed two games later. What, what we've league. seen though in the National League final was Tyrone came out with a completely new system, which looked like the same system they played against Derry in the Championship. So they showed their Championship system. In my opinion, there was a big change in Cavan's system from the Tyrone game and the league game to the Armagh game. I thought we were a lot more defensively sound against Armagh. I thought we still filtered good numbers back, crowded out areas. They were working when they were back there. Granted, we left our four up. They growed, although growed now did come back a wee bit further, but you still you had a minimum of three up in the forward line all the time for Cavan. And crucially, somebody in the half-hour line, at least one in the half-hour line. But we were defensively very, very sound, I thought. I, th- I thought we were, but we still we still caught the 14 points. They missed a penalty. They also missed a 14-yard free. Mm. I think they hit the upright at one stage as well in the first half. You know, They could have put up 115 or 16 on us there. Like, 
as 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 tight as True. we were as we were keeping it. But uh, as well as that, I know we did filter a lot of players back. But I, I think they even highlighted it on the Sunday game as well. There was point uh, stages in that game where guys were only marking space. Like for instance, you look at Stephen Campbell who was full forward, and we isolated. They isolated Armagh isolated Stephen Campbell on um, uh, Killian. Killian Clark. And yet we had a lot of players back at the defence. So how they were able to isolate um, Stephen Campbell is something that Cavan are going to have to look at. That you cannot isolate your full back line and yet have loads of players back in, in defence. Um, marking space. They just were marking the wrong areas. There were players back in front of Killian, but they were in the wrong areas at the wrong times. And you, like Stephen Campbell was outstanding a lot of ball was played down in front of him. You know, so if you've got a crowded defence, no ball should be... All those balls that are going in uh, low into the full forward should be intercepted. But we were just marking the wrong areas of space. Um, probably yeah. more out to the wing instead of in front of well, the goal. Kevin, are we a bit vulnerable when you attack them straight down the middle? But that can be said about almost any team you know, in the country, especially Kerry. They they're have been vulnerable down the middle for the last couple of years and still are, but that's something that Kevin are going to need to show up. Is that because they're playing a ball player really at six? Is that the reason? Or maybe there's no such thing as a traditional stopper anymore and it's an extra body you need there. He's playing at six, but... Well, he's wearing six, but he's not playing at six. Yeah, yeah, like he, sat, he lined out a wing half forward on, on Sunday. Yeah. Conor Minor. Yeah. So like McVitie was essentially players. playing at yeah, six. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he started the second half at centre half uh, back. But yeah. it, again, it's it's the new style of football. People wear numbers on their back, but it doesn't mean anything to the, to to their position on the pitch because you are getting so many men back into an area. Um, I think that maybe we were a little bit too spread out when we got back there that we were trying to mark all areas instead of just crowding the middle a little bit more and make. The, make the ball uh, make Armagh or make the opposing team kick the ball to the wing instead of down the middle and and you look Stephen Campbell scored I'm just looking at it here 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 uh, 7 points uh, 8 points Stephen Campbell got for uh, Armagh and so and was, four, was it 4 frees? 4 frees 3 frees 45 and 4 from play and, and he missed, missed the penalty, penalty and, and, 45 and 14 metre from free he, he could have had 1-9 like, it would yeah. have been an unbelievable score for a championship game what, what could Killian Clark have done better? I don't think, I, to be honest with you, I don't think Killian could have done much better because Killian was trying to stay goal side of him because he was isolated. So the last thing you want to do is attack the ball because if you're isolated one on one in that full back line and you miss that ball, he's true on goal. So Killian had to stay kind of goal side all the time or behind him. So uh, if you're going to play plenty of numbers back in your defence, you just need a little bit more protection for him. That's what I think. So, yeah, I, I, I personally thought that Killian was that goal side off him a little bit too much that maybe he could have gone side by side or even gone a yard in front and make it because if you, if if as a full back or a cornerback even you take that yard in front you're putting the pressure on the man on the ball out the field to give an even more accurate pass than whereas if it's anyway in front of the forward when they're in front it's his ball to win if it's if it's if the defender is out in front and it's in front the ball is in front anyway chances are it's the defender's ball they have to put a pin perfect pass to get to beat a defender who's playing out in front yeah no I agree with you on that that's if you're playing two corner backs as well but literally the two corner forwards were coming out into the half forward line so you literally had the whole foot forward line for Stephen Campbell which means that like if he stands in front and Stephen Campbell or the full forward of any sort goes right or left he has 30 yards of space either side of him so it's very easy just to ping a ball into that area and then if he stands in front and the ball is played over the top, he has no protection to slap the ball down either side as well. So it, I do agree with you that if you're playing uh, if you're playing two corner backs that are going to play either side of your full back, then yes, play out in front a little bit and, and get that yard in front of him because then it has to be a pinpoint accuracy pass right onto his chest for him to get it. But if you're not playing two full backs by the full back side, you know, he has that space 30 yards either side to play a ball into. That that's just my take mm. on it like. It's still it's it, it, in fairness other than other than that, you'd have to say it was a pretty flawless Cavan performance. It was. There definitely was a, were a few areas you could improve on. In terms of the changes that were made in the team, um, I didn't think Niall Murray played well. 
thought I thought he looked devoid of energy, considering he plays a high energy game. And the impression I got was that he was probably ripping it up in training. But the, you know, he hasn't started that many championship matches, and that's a very emotionally draining day, as you know, Mickey, playing a big championship game. No, well, it is. No, it sorry. is. No, 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 no. Like I, I played for seven years before I got a, a championship debut. You know, and it. it, it it, it, look, it's all down to the mentality of the player, and I think that Niall Murray has a great mentality for for football and for for uh, Cavan football, especially. Like, so I don't think he'd be worried about that. Well, I, I'm just trying to figure out because I I didn't I didn't think he looked himself. I thought he looked jaded, and he obviously was ripping it up in training. That's why he got into the team because he didn't play well in Crow Park, but he was brilliant off the bench in other games. Mm. So I'm I'm guessing that that the occasion took its toll on on Murray. Uh, you know, I think he might be a little bit vulnerable um, when you've got so much competition because you. James McEnroe, you'd imagine, is going to be improving by the week. Every week's going to bring him on because he's play, been playing catch up all year. Kieran Brady's Kieran bound to Brady. be breathing down his throat as a halfback. And, uh, and Jerry Smith is is both. Well. Well, and Terry Hyland has shown before that he's he's not afraid to throw a player in in championship. Like he he threw McVitie in in championship three years ago and he never right. played any league football. He could throw, he started an All Ireland quarter final. It was his first start in championship football. Like was it so Buchanan or, or argue as well up in Derry? He Argue. already brought, brought him on, but yeah. like he actually started McVitie. So, you know, they say they're basing it on training. So you'd expect um, Jerry Smith, James McEnroe, Kieran Dehala, Killian the Gunner. Um, they're all going to be breeding their neck for that position. And I also I think Michael Argue is a little bit vulnerable because I didn't think he imposed himself on the game at all. And like, I am a big fan of his, but um, you need you need to get more. Well, he have to be. He has to be worried as anybody in that full forward line. If you weren't playing at full tilt. Considering the performance of Jack Brady when he came in, like it was, it was flawless. Yeah, like I was just when you mentioned substitutes, I was just going to bring up Jack Brady because you know he he got a fortuitous uh, chance in 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 Kingsman Refugee Park on Sunday because Eugene Keaton had obviously been as well uh, playing well in in training games and whatever because he came on ahead of uh, Jack Brady who who had a great end to his league campaign and Eugene only lasted. 30 seconds a minute on the pitch before he got black carded and Jack had to come on straight away two balls that Jack got straight over the bar you know one on the left one on the right from both from acute angles uh, two of the finest points as Terry Highland said scored in Kings from Brevity Park in the last 20 years and especially from a guy who was cold just onto the pitch you know uh, uh, they were absolutely brilliant and he has done that in the in the latter stages of the league this year he he didn't feature early in the league then all of a sudden started coming in towards the end of the league and we were seeing the Jack Brady of old this we were seeing him against Galway against Leash when he came Leash. on yeah. brilliant yeah. and he played well when he started against Galway as well yeah. but I personally think that Jack Brady he, he kind of bought, he lost his confidence and he, he bottomed out about two years ago and he, he was playing poorly and it's taken a long time to get his confidence back, but he's definitely got it back. Like he got it back last year, bit by bit by bit through the league, coming on, and he was brilliant in a challenge match before the championship up in Virginia against Mead. And then he didn't get playing in, in championship. I remember Tom Hayes got on ahead of him, and uh, I thought it was surprising because Cavan had persisted with him when it, when he wasn't playing well the year before. But it's taken him a while to get back. But he's a real option now. But he's he's back to where we've seen him at his best. At his best, his final year minor, his first year on twenty one, he was an inside corner forward. And I think he's gone on a journey all the way out to as far as a half back and gone back in again now. And I think that's his natural position. He is a finisher and he or he always was a finisher up until he was twenty years of age. So and I think then that was changed in him by different both college football maybe lost a bit of pace or something maybe it was to do with his weights programme or something but possibly he looks sharp now yeah, he definitely does Yeah, he does and, and do you know what I don't think he's the fastest player in the world but he's got something that you'd equate to what Shawnee Johnson has he has that ability Jink. to create two yards of space to give him a shooting opportunity you know and like that was the thing on, on, on Sunday against Armagh was the two points that he got he was tightly marked and a little jink from left to right the, f the first one was from uh, from his left back onto his right foot and he curled it over the bar from the acute angle with the uh, defender breathing down his neck and then the second one I presume the defender thought he was going to do the same again but he jinked from right to left this time created just a yard of space and clipped it over with the inside of the left foot two phenomenal scores and, and, and that's what he's best at as you says Damien playing in a corner forward position and instinctively just bang bang gone over the bar very much so. We're going to take a very quick commercial break, but join us in part two where we'll be discussing with uh, Niall McCoy from the Gaelic Life. We're going to be getting the Armagh point of view on the performance from the weekend. 
Everyone's talking about Luna Bar, Cavan's most vibrant new venue. With our big screen TVs, live music every weekend and free function room, we cater for everyone. Luna Bar, Main Street Cavan, the newest hotspot in town. Imagine your wedding day with unparalleled service, commanding views and mature grounds on one of Ireland's most beautiful family-run countryside estates. Located on our private shores of Loch Sheelan, Crover House Hotel in Cavan offers a personal service to each couple. A limited number of 2016 wedding packages are still available. Call 049-8540-206 today. Our unique location for your unique occasion. Crover House Hotel. Check out We Are Cavan football podcast in association with McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one toward the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. Welcome back to the We Are Cavan McAvoy Super Value GA podcast. Um, earlier on, I caught up with the Gaelic Life journalist, well-known Niall McCoy. He's from Drum and Tea in Armagh, and uh, we just had a bit of a chat about the uh, the how the reaction is going in Armagh this week to the defeat to Cavan. I suppose, Damien, as you'd expect in the in the aftermath of an Ulster Championship defeat and a, and a heavy one at that, there's always, I suppose, a, a reactionary sort of over-the-top sort of response to what went on. Um, understandably, everyone's very sort of disappointed, I suppose. I suppose there's a, a bit of an unknown about Armand. That's maybe the problem. People just aren't sure what they're trying to do just yet or, or how far they can go or how good or how bad they actually are. You know, it's it's. I suppose they've been plagued with inconsistency now over the last couple of years and it's it's just hard to really judge this Armagh team at the moment. You know, you're there's a lot of emphasis as as you know this week. A lot of the a lot of the criticism has landed on Kieran McGinney, but then you know you have to evaluate how good are these players too, and and what quality is there. And, and at the moment, everyone just seems to be in a in a mix up about what's actually going on and what's actually happening. And at the moment, Kieran's taking the brunt of it, you know, and. Kieran does, you know, that during the league when when Cavan hammered them down in Breffney by 17 in March, he he stood up and took the blame too, and he'll stand up and take the blame on this one as well. You know, he does that. But is there is there is there a worry that what what Kieran is doing is is installing a, a certain type of attitude to to county football, but it mightn't necessarily be he mightn't be necessarily getting the best players to buy into that attitude. No, I don't agree with that at all. Now, I think that's a that's a line that's been peddled about, but I don't agree with it at all. You know, there's there's some hard facts you have to remember that they are missing four of their six starting who would be starters for different reasons. You have Jamie Clark's away, Keelan Rafferty's away, and both of them, well, Jamie will be going out of the country, and Keelan's in Hong Kong for work reasons. You have their target man, Andrew Mernon's injured, and mm. their creative spark, Kevin Day. It's both of those out for the year with injury, you know. I think it shows up a lot more what what that there's a real lack of depth in Armagh, and I suppose it can it can maybe it can maybe fall down to the fact that club football in Armagh is in absolute state at the moment. And um, you know, as I say, maybe Cross McGlen have maybe taken a step back from their heyday, but but all the big teams around them have taken three steps back. And I think it's hard for most most people outside the county only see club football when Cross are coming through in Ulster and maybe don't realise just how bad of a state it is here at the moment and the the players aren't being produced and it's just I suppose it's a it's a symptom of that for me, more Damien than anything about what sort of attitude Kieran has gotten the players and he does demand commitment, yes, there, there's no doubt in that he, he demands sort of excellence, but the players are buying in it. Like, you know, it's I suppose it's more tactical rather than a than a commitment thing for me. You know, I think that mm. we just need to show a bit more attacking intent and, and a bit more sort of you know, letting the players off the leash a wee bit more. I don't think it's anything to do with the type of player he's he's attracting and uh, and the type of player he's ultimately pushing away. I, I don't believe that. You know, there is certain boys, and it's the same if it was Kieran McGinney or Tony McEntee or whoever in charge. There is some players that just will not be able to commit for various reasons, and it's something we're seeing across the across the uh, the board at county level. Players, it's becoming a young man's game, and 
the family man playing Gaelic football, it's, that's just the way the game is at the moment, rightly or wrongly. Like, but I think it's very unfair for for Kieran to take the brunt of it because he seems as Michael Cork said this week, he seems to be the poster boy for the ill will of 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 Gaelic at the moment, and he, he's taking it from all sides, which is yeah. unfortunate. And he he has to take some of the blame. There's no excusing him from taking some of the blame. Like they're they were too lethargic and things like that. But it just. It, for me, the reaction's been incredible, to be honest with you. Like, he's just taken a prominent from every side. Yeah, it, it tends to be in Gaelic football, though, that when there, when there's a, a big victory in Cavan, all of a sudden they're talking about the potential of winning another title and a big defeat yeah. in Armagh. They're, they're, you know, the worst yeah. team in the country. It's it's always exaggerated reactions. There's no measure yeah. to it. But it part of part of the... the um, the reaction to Kieran McGinney. It started even before the game. I was watching back on the Sunday game and Joe Brawley started his attack very early. What's the feeling on Joe Brawley in, in Armagh? Are they are they annoyed at the fact that he's got seems to have such a pick on this Armagh setup and particularly Kieran McGinney? Yeah, Joe's a colleague of mine, so I can't see it too much, but uh I suppose there's a lot of people would agree with Joe, you know? There's a lot of people that Joe agree with Joe and would take his view. And I actually think Joe has some core points there, you know, what there's I suppose Joe's style and, and the way he delivers it uh, maybe takes away from some of it, but there's obviously an issue between him and Kieran, and it's not just this year. And I suppose mm. Joe and Paul Grimley didn't exactly see eye to eye either, so it's been it's been an ongoing problem, I suppose, with Joe and Armagh. The, the feeling would be a lot of people would agree with Joe saying, you know, what Joe's doing, now, what he's doing is bringing the cross McLean question into the equation, and that's why he would get a lot of people asking and saying, you know, Joe's right, why is there not... I think he said eight eight Cross McGlen players had had walked away from the panel at the start of the year. You know, that's a lot of people will be agreeing with him on that. A lot of people, as you can imagine, completely disagree with Josie and, and thinking that it is just sort of a I suppose an agenda against Kieran. He has probably has a Kieran and it's just sort of festering, you know. The, but the Cross McGlen thing it's it's a difficult one. It's a very difficult one to analyze. There's no doubting that they're probably should be one or two more people crossing Glen people on the squad. There's just there's no denying that. The eight people walking away, I'm just not so sure. Today I saw someone suggest a player that Kieran it's a mistake he hasn't got on the on the team from Crossing Glen. The boy doesn't start for Crossing Glen, you know, and it's just right. it, it's again, it's just a complete overreaction. And Armad tends to be quite uh uh, as you say, a uh, county for exaggeration. It does happen after a big defeat and a lot of soul searching. But uh, I'm too long to take now. I, I'll judge at the end of the season. You know, there's in 2014 they went in the qualifier run, and people forget Kieran was heavily involved in that in that season when they got to the All Ireland quarter final. He was head coach that year, so mm. there's uh, more to come. Uh, well, that's the thing. You, as I say, I don't know, and I don't know. Like you know, last year in the qualifiers, they are. They were very poor, very poor against Wicklow and a couple of Jamie Clark goals got them over the line and then they just weren't really that competitive against Galway in truth. Like, you know, the better team won on the day, there was no denying. So, and he took a fair bit of stick for that here. And if they go out in the qualifiers and have similar, if they have a meek exit, then he will he will face questions. He'll face difficult questions. But it only takes a game or two to win in the qualifier and all of a sudden momentum there. You're looking at the momentum thrown gathered in the qualifiers last year and I'm by no means seeing Armar looking at an all earned semi final. I'm just seeing you get that first win under your belt and all of a sudden things are looking a lot more a lot brighter. So mm-hmm. that draw, that first match, that'll be very important for Kieran and very important for how this year uh plays out. Because I don't expect I know a lot of counties will probably lose a few men to America and all after the go out of the provincial. I don't expect that to happen normal. Maybe one player or something might, but I would say the majority of players that are were there available on, on Sunday should be there for the qualifier campaign. Should be. Just to switch attention a wee bit, looking at the Cavan team, um what was what was the Armagh opinion on that Cavan team? Was it that Armagh weren't great or is it a, a, a decent Cavan team? I think it's a more than decent Cavan team to be honest with you. Um for me, it's similarities of the Monaghan team coming through a few years ago that they seem to be doing something really right. But, you know, everyone can talk about Terry and his defence of the Black Death, all that, and the fact that they're going more attacking. But you need to remember that that's a cracking set of players. Like, you know, we call, in the office, we call Kieran, we call him Grudge, not three, because the amount of things he seems to pop up with three points is ridiculous. Like, it seems to be a sort of staple at this stage. But it's really, really good good players there. You know, you're talking top players that the you know, a number of players are a walk on to most teams and I, I saw a lot, you know, by the Killing Clark, I know he had a tough enough time on Stephen Campbell like but they're a real sort of 
I suppose they're energetic, you know, and they always seem to be offered and they're up the pitch and driving forces. That was the maybe thing Armagh were lacking, especially with no Keelan and Rafi. They're someone getting the ball and running direct at, at Cavan in a way that Keane Mackey done the other day, although he's left in a lot of space. But they're just really... And, you know, the thing about Cavan the other day, there's a couple of their big men were probably quieter than, than would have been expected. Like, you know, mm-hmm. give me, I think, David got a point, like, and... David, he probably didn't have a massive influence on the game, and, and David has the potential to be that sort of player where he can have a big impact in the game. So there's probably more come from Cavan, but I, I highly rate this Cavan team. I think there's no reason why they can't give Ulster a good rattle, and I'm not, I don't feel I'm building up, but they're just such power, and I think it's important. Their big men are very strong and very fast. Sorry, very fast. I mean, they're, you know, the way some of them midfielders can move and and. and along the half four lane like they're no slouches. They're big men but they're very quick on their feet as well and as it's shown there at the weekend of a knife for a score too, especially from distance, you know. Um mm-hmm. then you throw in obviously Marty Riley who who didn't have a, the best of leagues by his high standards and then he, he turned it on like that the other day and you're looking at Shawnee Johnson's performance in Bright especially in the first half and Marty's probably man of the match on the day and I suppose it speaks volumes of just how important he is to this Cavan team. So that was Niall McCoy, a well-known journalist with Gaelic Life. He has some interesting points there about Kieran McGeaney looking at, you know, the national attention is all on Kieran McGeaney and, you know, Cavan are probably lucky that it's Kieran McGeaney is such a big personality because there's no real attention on Cavan's victory here. They're going, they'll be going in now under the radar with Tyrone game uh, coming up ahead that, you know, all the attention is on what's going on with Kieran McGeaney. Yeah, McGinney always seems to hug the head headlines, and I do think he courts that a little bit. I, I don't think he's a very good manager based on his record. And Joe Bradley makes a lot of good points. Like Joe Bradley is—it's just, just the way he delivers his points that's, that's the problem. That's you right. Know? Like they, are, actually, they are actually valid. He makes some—he makes some great points. Like, like some, some yeah. is the key word there. He makes like some terrible a lot of his, ones. Too. A lot of his big points that he makes, um, like he identified that that uh, Mayo's biggest problem. Is not the lack of a, a marquee inside forward. Their biggest problem is they concede goals at key times. And he identified that before a couple of years ago. And that's always been a problem with them since. They, Mayo will always concede a goal when. And it's never a good time to concede a goal, but Mayo will always let in a goal. That's been their problem. He, he's identified loads of things like that. He, he talked about the goal with footballers. He said they're all surf dudes and, and modern trad musicians. And he says that they are like you know they're this type of of these type of characters. I think he does make an awful lot of good points, but as you say, his his delivery. But I watched I watched the Sunday game. I watched the playback of the Sunday game, and the the very first minute before a game had even started, when Michael Lester came to them and Colin O'Rourke spoke a bit about uh, about Ushie McConville's comments on tours tonight on our up for the match, and then Michael Lester asked Joe Brolly, and I can't even remember what the question was. But immediately, Joe Brawley took it and attacked Kieran McGinney straight away. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it, there's sometimes when he he just goes in with a premeditated idea that I'm going to steal headlines here, and he he gets the right reaction because I'm here talking about it now, and and everybody's talking about Joe Brawley's getting at Kieran McGinney. My point is that a lot of the, he talks and says he's a GEA man a lot of what he says has negative effect on the GEA whether it be calling Cavan the black debt when at a stage when Cavan were creating as many chances as they currently are they just weren't converting them that was the only difference in the system that was the only difference in what we're doing we were converting more chances than we than we were when he called us black debt so I think a lot of it is unfounded that what he says. I think he he likes to take the a, a look at things from the outside without really digging into it to get research done. Yeah, I, I think I think I I, 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 I I really think it's just his delivery. I really do because like I know exactly what he meant by Cavan were the black death, but it was just a harsh, harsh way to say it. You know, um, you have to remember that he he says these things. Tongue in cheek a lot of the time, yeah. like and like he, yeah, he was like I remember when he did that for the match tonight in Cavan. Um, I I think it was you were in the crowd, Damien, and you brought up the point that Cavan scored one twenty two against Derry, <coughs> yeah, against his Derry, his own county, and him calling us a black death, and we scored one twenty two on one of the hottest days of the year, like played great football and all that stuff. But the following year, we didn't score a goal in the entire league campaign. You know, <laughs> like that's we weren't creating the chance, but that was chances. Like, was that down to personnel? 
possibly it was, but surely they got one. But look, just we were talking about McGeaney. Yeah, yeah he, he does have an issue with McGeaney, but I, I kind of like when he gives out with McGeaney because it, it bothers me that, that McGeaney is taken as a great manager. And the funny thing is, I look back through some some old stuff I had written yesterday when, after watching the watching back the Sunday game, and I found a, a quote from Marty Morrissey from, from uh, 2011 where Donegal played Kildare and McGeaney was over Kildare and Murphy didn't start the game I think because he got injured in the warm-up and then they brought him on and there was Marty Morrissey says I wonder is this a clever move bringing him on because he was clearly wasn't 100% and he goes we know how sh- who, how astute McGeaney is but there's question marks about Jim McGuinness and I was thinking that's one of the, that turned out to be one of the worst predictions of all time and there was another thing I heard last year on, on Game On on RTE where Kevin Cassidy from Donegal and John Casey from Mayo were, were analysing the Donegal um, Armagh game and what the conclusion they came to was absolutely staggering. Considering the hammering that Armagh got, Cassidy started off by saying that um, where, where, where Armagh lost the game was they got the matchups wrong. He then transformed his point to the point where he was actually saying, Kieran McGinney didn't send them out to do this, to do that, to do the other. He goes, they let Kieran McGinney down. It's taken for granted that McGinney is this deity who who gets everything right, and and if it doesn't work out in the field, it's not his fault. Like that, absolutely. I actually, I actually had the laugh where I heard the, uh, and again, I don't know which media I heard it on, but the the goalkeeper, the Armagh goalkeeper's tactic of going to one two and then coming running out the field. One of the one of the pundits on some show. Basically said, "Oh no, that that would that would have been him just off the cuff." Thank God we've still got a bit of flair. You know, Kieran McGinley wouldn't have been sanctioning that idea just because it didn't work out. Now, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that was premeditated. I'm going to introduce a fly goalkeeper here. Yeah, this is a great idea. Yeah. Well, I'd I'd agree with you totally. Like, and you know, the, the thing about Kieran McGinley, and it was actually Joe Brawley who said it. Like, you know, just because somebody is a great footballer doesn't mean that they're going to turn out to be a great manager. But because Kieran McGinney was such a good footballer and nobody can ever take that away from him, you know, there's this perception that, you know, you can't say that he's a bad manager or you can't point out his flaws and whatever. Another thing as well, like they're all saying that, uh, you know, players won't play for him and they don't want to play for him. Well, I, I read an article yesterday from Jamie Clark and it was Jamie Clark turning around and saying, well, you know, I've done something amazing. Like I've, I've decided not to. You know, I should be commended for not wanting to play football. But it's not down to not wanting to play for uh, Armagh. He said in it, like you know, had he been pushed, or uh, you know, if it came pushed to shove, and or, that he was, he was being told, look, we really, really need you to play, or whatever. He said he usually gives in. You know, and but he actually wants to go to America to to broaden his horizons in work, um, and he's not. Football is not his life, you know, and, and and a lot of people can't understand that because he's such a talented footballer, but he sees so much more to life, and he's not. It's not because of Kieran McGinley that he's not playing. You no, know, well, he's he's the example that there was passed last year. He didn't play for his own cross yeah. with Len, so he he is the example. But Aaron Kiernan, I would imagine, is on the other foot that. Paul well, Hughes is another day. I mean, well, Aaron Hughes um, was dropped a couple of uh, two years ago, was it? Who? Aaron. Uh, he lost Kernan. his place in the Kernan. starting team, and yeah. he, he kind of retired early. I couldn't believe he's still he's still only twenty nine. Twenty nine years of age, and sorry, boys, we we were in the press area beside him. He's in unbelievable shape. There's no way that man couldn't play county football if he took on the jersey tomorrow. He could he'd be fit for a county senior but game. But is that his decision? Because like it he, is, he it decided that the team was dropped off the starting panel. That okay, then well, I'm gonna retire you know does that say a lot about him or does it say a lot about Kieran McGinney it, it probably the at, the, at the start of this year the, the Cavan management made a decision that we are going to have the best players in the county on this Cavan team this year regardless of what we have to do and it was done and they're, they're reaping the rewards of it now Kieran McGinney needs Aaron Cairns he needs Jamie Clarks he needs Hughes he needs Dias he needs all these boys and he's not getting the best players in Armagh on the team yes. regardless of if what one, reason if one player doesn't opt in that's that's his fault if two players don't opt in that's both their faults but if three, four, five, six players aren't opting in that's someone else's fault that's a trend and I think McGinney McGinney's to blame for that yeah okay it's just I personally think that you know player power has gone way too high you know when you look at the likes of Aaron Kernan being dropped from the starting team and then retiring early I think 
there's there, okay now I, I don't know I Aaron don't. Kiernan would would state that that had nothing to do with it that it, it was down to business commitments and new newborn kids and the likes of that so oh, well, that's 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 but oh, you were there the other night Oshie McConville said had the had Aaron Kiernan being approached in the right manner or, or the right way that he wouldn't have walked yeah, away we've, we've seen it before like and, and, and we can't we can't brush over it either like you know the, something similar happened with Shawnee Johnston as well you know he was dropped they basically wanted the cabin management at the time wanted him to prove his worth to that team and wanted him to go off do a bit of training on his own and come back and say yes look this is what I've done Kier, again funnily enough Kieran McGinney was involved mm. so he was and, and Shawnee ended up going to Kildare but Shawnee came back this year to Cavan and it's a new Shawnee and, and that's what you want to see the likes of Aaron Kernan and Jamie Clark and players like that doing saying well hang on you know that jersey is not mine you know someone's going to take that jersey that jersey's going to be gone that jersey's going to be there forever I'm not going to be there forever and, and while they're there they should really appreciate it and, and give it their all that's that's my opinion and I think that Shawnee has realised that himself and he came back into Cavan this year and I just saw today that he, he got player of the week um, uh, in the GAA which is a, a fantastic um, uh, accolade to receive on his first championship game back for Cavan Five and again years, yeah. s- scored 7 points as well for Cavan and one of I'm just delighted for him one of his best ever championship games there was, there was some great stats in the Sunday Times on Sunday where the, the on Sunday on Sunday yeah that's when it, that's when it comes out <laughs> yeah you should try it really yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. it's just after you get it after Saturday and, and before Monday the day before Monday ah, Sunday it's a good idea to yeah, call it Sunday Times pre- f- pretty about 52 of them in the year <laughs> roughly <laughs> gimps <laughs> there's some great there's some great stats and it said that that it pointed out Johnson's scoring record for Cavan and it, it compared it to McGinney's record. McGinney's championship record now stands at um, as a manager, played 40, uh, won at something like 25. That's what that's what it is. It's this great, this great manager. Like, he's lost lost almost half his games as a manager and a lot of those games, if you look back through it, the results, it was incredible the runs in the qualifiers that they got with Kildare. It was the these are championships, sorry, forty championship games. Yeah, okay. but the draws they got in championship was absolutely unbelievable. How handy it was, and like any team worth their salt would have been winning a lot of those games. They won. Like, look, they got the quarterfinals. They never beat a good team, Kildare. I I always ask ask Kildare people who are, who are going on about McGinney how well he did there. What's the best win you had? The best win they had was probably against Mead. Um, I think I'm not sure what year that was. It was 2010 in the All Ireland quarter final. That was probably their best win. Mead were were pretty strong that year. They're probably ninth or tenth in the country. That's the best win they ever had. They never beat. They never beat a top a top ten team ever. McGinney's could I could I and I'm going to play devil's advocate here, but I would imagine now, and I'm I'm just trying to do the maths roughly in my head. I wouldn't say Terry Highland has a 50 percent win rate in championship, and I oh would God, actually yeah. think most managers don't have it. Don't have a fifty percent chance would, or a win rate well, because well the top the best managers would have the, well but the best managers have the best teams yeah, but, and but, but, but you take it to be one of the top teams in the country at the time you know but like they, were they, were fi- they were ranked fourth best in the country by a lot of teams around 2010 2011 mm. by a lot of pundits they were talking about Kildare as fourth and I remember having more arguments with people on Twitter over I had to take a step back from Twitter and end up but I actually searched. Um, my Twitter handle and Man McGinney the other night that's where I came across that thing about Marty Morrissey but I also found Colin Parkinson at the time he goes top five managers in the game in the game today number one was Hart number two was um, Gavin three was McGinney Horan was four I don't know who was five so that that's so c- Parkinson this week no no this is way back in oh, 2011 right. um, he was talking about McGinney you know, it was mad, madness, mad stuff. Like, yeah, I look at I, I, I'm definitely not making the argument that that McGinney's a great manager, but I do think actually 25 wins out of 40 in Gaelic football championship is a good return. Well, it, it's it's it, it, you I don't think you can say that, Damien, because you could have 25 games against London. You know what I mean? I well, know you couldn't. Well, you could have 25 games against really poor teams. Yeah, like. the likes of London. Like, yeah. I think a lot like that, of and that's what they had an awful lot of their yeah. wins. They had okay. They were they had Leinster. Answer. They had Leinster, which was a big advantage. Well, their their record in Leinster was terrible under McGinney. Under McGinney, they lost to Wicklow in his first year at home, or sorry, in Crow Park. They lost to Loud in Leinster. They lost to Mead in Leinster. They, it wasn't just Dublin that was beating them every year. Their record in Leinster was absolutely brutal. They only got to one Leinster final in six years. They were going into the qualifiers. They had 
Antrim at home th- took them a replay. They had Limerick at home took them an extra time. They had Clare. They were getting these handy qualifiers. They had Cavan when Cavan were terrible. Handy. No offence, Mickey. <laughs> yeah, well, 2012. <laughs> Don't take him. <laughs> but you know, I, I think that his record is is very poor, and it's mm. been it's been even worse since he went to went to Armagh. We'll we'll, we'll shift tactic here and uh, just concentrate. We could we could we could we'll concentrate for a few minutes on the Cavan Miners. Um, actually, we'll take a very quick commercial break, and then we'll be discussing the Cavan Miner game against Armagh. Kieran Callahan Electrical Limited has been providing a quality service to the industrial, commercial and domestic sectors nationwide since 1996. Reduce your business's energy bill with our energy audit. Or if you need any electrical works carried out, why not contact Kieran Callahan Electrical on 049 433 Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. Do you need insurance for your business? Why not contact the experts at BBI Ireland and join the winning team situated at Town Hall Street, Cavan. For all your property, farm and business needs, make BBI Ireland your first choice. Log on to bbiireland.ie or contact Anthony Ford or Desi Smith in Cavan on 049 433 Cavan's best over 21's entertainment venue. With state-of-the-art lighting and sound system, VIP room with bar, as well as a cocktail bar, outdoor heated and fully seated smoking area, so you can sit, relax, and take time to catch up with friends. Club V opens every Saturday night and holiday Sunday at 11pm. To find out more about Club V and our upcoming events, follow us on Twitter or become a fan on Facebook. Club V Virginia at the Riverfront Hotel. So welcome back to the McAvoy Super Value GEA podcast on wearecavan.com. Cavan Miners went down um, at the hands of Armagh on Sunday, 2.14 to 112. I know it was, there was a, a last-minute goal that made it look worse. Um, but the Cavan Miner team, Paul, did they, did they ever get into top gear? No, they, they didn't. First of all, I think they were overpowered physically in, in a lot of positions. It was a very strong physical Armagh team and that was actually a particularly small Cavan team. There was very few of those lads would have been anywhere near six, the six-foot mark, whereas last year they had a good few big, strong mm. fellas. But um, it was disappointing. Like they didn't, their key men, they never got them into the game. Thomas Edward Donoghue and Connor Smith, two fellas who have lit up McCrory Cup games and didn't get into the game at all. Um, Stephen Smith showed a few flashes at the back, I thought Paddy Riley did well um, bombing forward. I think his career, his future might be as a forward. He could make a, maybe a half forward or something because he has a great boot on him. Like mm. he, he actually can get forward and score a lot. You might see him playing further out the field in future because I think he is going to go on to be a senior county player the way he's going. But I was a bit disappointed. I thought Rogers did did quite well wing half back. Um, but overall, I was disappointed. Yeah, Mickey. it was a it was a very poor start, and Cavan were playing catch-up or chasing the game at, from seven minutes on. It was 1-2 to no score in favour of Armagh after seven minutes. And, you know, we got back to within a point of um, Armagh and then they, they rattled off three points in a row in the space of five minutes. And it was, again, playing catch-up. Um, 
I don't know. I I feel myself is that uh, you know the fact that they were playing catch up, they had to try and go, uh, score goals, and they created three clear cut goal chances in the first half and took none of them. And had they got one or two of them and settled themselves, if they'd got the lead and made Armagh chase the game a little bit, it, it could have been a different game. But the start that they got was horrendous, and it was they were never going to be able to pull it back. There was two of those goal chances that that were. Clear cut criminal to miss not not to be too harsh on young fellas. Um, big occasion, you know, to be to be issues obviously about playing in front of such a big crowd for the first time and the likes. But they, they really should have been taking them goal chances in the first half. Yeah, there was one in particular where it was saved on the line. Uh, it was played across the square and it was saved on the line. Um, and you know, it it was just unfortunate. Look at that age, you know, it, it, it can come down to very very simple things, you know, like and, and confidence is a huge thing at minor level. I really do think that you know we we gave as good as we got after that. Um, we just happened to be chasing the game. Our man always had a little cushion, and we were able to just sit back on the cushion. And when Cavan got close, they'd re- reel off a couple of scores because Cavan were committing men forward. I thought that um, uh, James Smith when he came in to full forward I thought that he he was a, a, quite a handful for the Armagh full back line and I don't think we used him as much as we should have Conor Brady went into full forward and switched in the second half with him and we never pumped the ball in on top of him you know if they were mm. moving a big man in onto the square your first tactic should be pump it in let's see what they made of they got one goal out of him but and, that was it that and, was and, and that goal that we got from James Smith that was actually a, a guy shot. shooting for a point and it just it was going wide and he, he flicked it back over his own head and the goalkeeper never saw it so it wasn't a tactic where they were trying to put it into the square which they should have tried a little bit more but then again look uh, they were chasing the game I feel that they had a great chance had they been you know, had they got the lead, but they always seem to be chasing that game, leaving space. Rian O'Neill for for Armagh, uh, nephew of Oshie McConville's apparently, um, he was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and Aaron McKiernan was actually, or Aaron Kiernan was standing beside us in in the media box, and he was saying, "Look, lads, that's the next big name in Armagh football," and you could see why he was absolutely flawless. Forty fives at his ease, kicking points right, left foot, and he was just so comfortable on the ball. It was like looking at his uncle uh, mm, at, 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 at uh, 17, 18 years of age. Yeah, definitely. Looking his, at the, his uncle Jim, was it? His uncle Jim, who yeah. won the first, uh, he was captain of the first Cross Midland team to win. Uh, look, looking though at the at the St. Pat's McRory lads who we've seen Patrick Riley, you know, you've seen Luke Fortune, Dara Kennedy, you know, these boys done fierce well and, and were very highly involved. Thomas Edward Dunn, who Connor Smith on the successful McCrory team they didn't really perform to the level that we've, we've seen them in the past no they didn't like Derek Kennedy's a great great footballer in my mm. opinion like I thought he was man of the match in that McCrory final two years ago at 16 years of age but I thought he was very poor on Sunday made an awful lot of mistakes which isn't like him he, he was a bit of a headless chicken on Sunday which isn't like him because I think he's a class act and you know that was a disappointment Luke Fortune's only back training two and a half three weeks before that game he was out for a good while you know, you had the same situation with Ryan O'Neill. He didn't have a full run into the game. Like when you bring that up, and and we 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 this is the second time this year we've discussed where players being played or coming on or having key parts when they're not fully fit. They're just coming back from injury. The under twenty ones, we had the same issue. Is is there a big lesson to be learned here? Unless a lad is a hundred percent right and has been training freely for two or three weeks before. He should not be playing. Well, the thing about that is you look at the senior team. You look at Terry Highland, and Terry Highland goes by players who are playing well in training. And he said it for over the last three, four months. And you could see that from his team selection on Sunday. You know, um, like, it's crazy to think that a player at minor level is going to get playing with only three weeks training behind him when other lads have trained all year and have been showing up well and stuff like that. You know, if... If if I'm wrong, just correct me. But you, I think that Terry Highland has has definitely brought that forward to players who are playing well in training and doing well in those um, behind doors games that they play fifteen on fifteen. He seems to always pick those players. And you look at Killian Cla- or Killian Brady and and Kieran Dehalla, they were dropped. Um, maybe Jerry Smith coming into the panel. Jerry Smith coming into the yeah. panel. We heard how well he was doing in the training matches, yeah. you know, and he came on. So. 
there's a you know maybe the management could take take a leaf out of, of Terry's book and, and play players who are on form. It has to be like it. It is all too often we're hearing this now, where you know well we'll, we'll take a chance with him and hopefully he's all right. Maybe a club, yeah, you, you might be forced into that because you just simply don't have numbers. But is that but not been a, a problem sorry. in Cavan for a long time? The players get played on their uh, on their past performances or on their name and stuff like that. That's, I, I, that's, that's one of exactly the things that I have always found in Cavan is that um, you know players get played because of who they are or what they've done. Three years ago. Well, so how many years? years how many years in a row did we see in Cavan where you'd have a league team going out and the, whether they'd be successful or unsuccessful throughout the league, then championship it, there could be seven, eight changes. Yeah. He's fellas like Dermot McCabe who got a lot of injuries in the second half of his career and really never played that much league football. And he, played, he played a bit when Kyogen was manager in two thousand seven. He actually played a lot that year. He had a great year that year, but. Um, didn't play that much league football. I uh, think, and, and, and was always in the team for championship. At times, he was on the team on one leg. Yeah, and and I've seen situations where, like if I remember correctly, Shawnee Johnston for a lot of time. I remember we'd be looking at uh, Shawnee Johnston a doubt for championship. It used to happen quite a bit, and but he'd always be playing. You know, yeah, if somebody's in doubt, instance, he'd a broken elbow, missed most of the league, um, and started the first round of the championship against Fermanagh mm. with a broken elbow like you know and and this is not this is not an attack on players because no, but it's, it's players want to play it's it's management, it's management management should be making the right decisions makes, here. yeah exactly that's the thing like and 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 it's all too often happened to uh, in Cavan and I don't think that it's any way to pick a team and especially for team morale you know if you know that no matter how you play the week beforehand you're not going to be considered the following week. Mm. You know, it's because a certain person is back from injury or, um, you know, is making themselves available. It's it, it's not good. And I'm not saying that that's what happened with the minor team, but you look you look through it and, and, and the likes of Luke Fortune, who only started tra- training, who's a quality footballer, don't get me wrong, and maybe was showing up well at training and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it's not something that you'd want going forward. Again, just to mention the McCrory, the, the St. Pat's McCrory team didn't have a good year this year and and, and the Cavan Miners the didn't Miners have a good year when are we going to realise that it goes hand in hand you know you know that's not just a problem in Cavan I remember reading a, an article in, in the Derry Journal about um, St. Pat's Mahara and they had they've had problems for years trying to trying to dovetail the two with St. Pat's Mahara and the Derry Miners and they managed it last year and Derry Miners won Ulster and St. Pat's lost the Hogan Cup final but a lot of that was because they had Conor Glass, who's one of the best players of his generation. He's mm. gone to gone to Aussie rules now, and he kind of dragged that Derry Minor team over the line. But um, that's a problem they had up there too. It's a tough one to resolve. But it you definitely d- you, need a, you need a common p- member on the management teams, maybe. Yeah, some something along that line. But the the the, the proof of it that it's possible to do it is Simpats of Mahara last year, Simpats Cavan last year. We've seen Dungannon in the past winning uh, McGrory Cups and the Derry or the Tyrone Miners winning Ulster. Oh, yeah, it's definitely it, possible. But it's, it's the, it goes hand in hand difficult. that there I, is... I, I do think that... that and don't, don't get me wrong, sorry, as well. I want to make the point here because we'll have people in Virginia and in Ballyconnell or, or Templeport giving out that it's just about... If Virginia College has a very strong senior team, which they had a number of years back with Eugene Keaton and, and even before that you had Key and Mackie, Ronan Flanagan, they went on to win All-Ireland. They, there was a good Cavan minor team at that stage that probably should have won an Ulster title with Key and Mackie, Ronan Flanagan. They were beaten by Down and Cross Midland after the replay. Eugene Keating getting a bad injury playing for school and um, missed. he was absolutely devastating as a minor and he missed mm-hmm. the Ulster Minor Championship because of a bad injury um, that he picked up with his, with his school. So there, look, there's been a clash for years. Like, there has but you, been you look, years. how many of those players uh, on that team were involved in the McCrory last year? And look at how far Cavan got in the minors last year. You look this year, the McCrory team didn't do as well. They were out earlier. Did uh, the Cavan minor team miss out on the professionalism and the training that was given to that McCrory team last year? Because, Or maybe just the confidence that the run in the McCrory gave gives, those players yeah. that, well, listen, we're and beating the, the best. You know, so we're playing a high level. And maybe that's it. And well, maybe they, got th- they got three extra games that year. 
and one of them went to extra time the, the All-Ireland semi-final right. against the Kerry boys like that surely stood, stood to them stood like. to them yeah it's something I, I definitely think it has to be looked at that whether it be Virginia or it be Baileyborough or it be St. Pat's Give these senior teams in in the colleges in the schools. Give them every advantage and and put links between them with them and the county minors. That as they progress, the count understand that your county minor panel is progressing. That if they're going well, county minor team will go we, well. You, 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 you look, you look at what Colm O'Rourke said the other night uh, at the um, up for the match. We are Cavan. He said about Dublin. He says they have. County board coach in every primary school, never mind secondary school, every primary school in Dublin has a county board coach. So they're being coached the same ways. They're in they're liaising with the county board as well. So there's there's just a real mm. uniform way of see, doing it. The difference in Dublin is they have the resources and the funding to do that at oh primary yeah. level. I don't think we have the same in Cavan. I no, think we, we need to be concentrating on lads who are already in the football string of things who want to go on to another level and give them we only have four or five full-time coaches they should be given the teams that can actually develop into high-level athletes look at the, David, there's 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 individuals involved in, in cabin football that aren't all pulling together like yeah and that's a problem like everyone knows it. we're not going to name any names but everyone knows that they're not pulling together and i mean that's that's an absolute that's disastrous like no, but it shouldn't. But it, you're, you're dead right. Un, <laughs> until we all get on the one page and start pushing in the one direction. And I keep pulling this back to uh, Morris Fitzgerald telling a story on the radio one time about his father um, after an under-14 mm. game. And uh, and he Morris was playing and Morris was tapping over freeze for fun. And the opposition lost the game because their free taker missed a lot. And as they were, the opposition was about to pull out from the grounds, Morris's father got on the bus and said to the, the coach, who's your free taker there? Oh, it's Johnny Biggs, whatever his name is, down the back there. Would you mind if he stayed out here now? And I'm going to kick freeze with him and young Morris here for an hour just to show him the technique and the skill involved. So that, And then I'll drop him back over to wherever in Kerry he was from. And that was, that was the, it was the greater good that he was looking at. He wasn't looking at his own little club and thinking, oh, if we come across them again, you know, they'll have a crap free taker. That's good. He was thinking, there's a lad here maybe with a bit of potential that could do it for Kerry in the long time. In Cavan, we don't all take that look. It's it's not all about Cavan's greater good. And that's, we need to get that thinking. Everybody's looking after their own corner most exactly. of the time, yeah. <laughs> all too often. But just on the minor team as well, you look, there was a couple of good performances as well. Um, like Connor Smith showed up well, as he always does. He's always going to give you 100%. Um, I actually disagree with you there. I didn't think he showed up well. I, I, I love Connor Smith as a footballer. I think he's class, absolutely brilliant. Maybe not the biggest of men, and that might be a downfall in the long term, but I've seen him have way, way, way better games than he did on Sunday. I thought, I, I he, thought carried, he was tied up. I thought up. he carried that forward mostly on his own um, I thought he was good I thought that Conor Brady did some excellent yeah. field in the midfield and he ran his socks off and then he was moved into full forward as I did say um, earlier on but um, the ball wasn't played into him there were Patrick Mead didn't do too badly at uh, at full back I thought he's a big strong man uh, Kingscourt lad there I'm sure he has Mead connections as well with that name um, M-E-A-D-E there's a lot of them in around the uh, Castletown area uh, in Mead so I'm sure he has Mead connections but and then Patrick <laughs> well, O'Reilly he has mead connections. Yeah, well he, he does, yeah. yeah his um, whole family. His whole family, <laughs> they're yeah. All meads. Uh, they're all meads, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, there's a lot of people in Castletown called Patrick, is there? <laughs> <laughs> We're getting on a tangent here, folks. We're getting on a tangent. But yeah, look, anyway, that, that, and as you said, Philip Rogers was good there as well. Um, it was just unfortunate for... for I, I suppose that the final question, will, will, will Danny and Larry and co stay on for another year? This is their third year? This is their second year, isn't it? Is it their second year? Yeah. You're right, sorry. So they have another year. Haven't they generally, I think they're given three years. Yeah, usually it's three years. Um, right. I, so don't, I don't know. Well, this day on, I have no idea. Yeah, you'd presume they've, they've another year. And then next year's team, well, I suppose this year's team won the, the Jerry Riley quite convincingly. Last year's on the 16s, which is next year's minors won it. So there is, there's, there's something to work with there. You know, for the future. So maybe, maybe, maybe they will stay on for another I, I year. I hope and that if they do stay on, that, like, I, I love 
the the philosophy he has on football and you know you go out and you play 15 on 15 and you want to play a lovely brand of football but maybe if if he just looks at it a bit more maybe goes horses for courses and you know tries something a little bit different um because there is some quality footballers there and maybe try to get the best out of them using a different system that's, that's true but uh, again playing devil's advocate we've been saying for a while that we need to develop the, the, yeah forward. these these underage competitions are a means to an end at the end of the day like like it's going to be great to win the Ulster Minor Championship but I'd rather lose one and bring through two forwards who'd help you win a, se- a senior the only thing is that you can't lose an Ulster Minor Championship and bring through anything because you don't get the games mm. you know it's it's such a horrible balancing act because we need to develop forwards but maybe to develop them they need games and to win games, you need systems. Oh, no, I wasn't, it's such a yeah. Uh, I wasn't reverting back to what we did with the under twenty ones and putting thirteen men behind the ball or anything like that. No, I, that's not. I'm not an advocate of that either. But just trying something else to to try and get the best out of them. And you know, like we probably needed a man marker on on Rean O'Neill. And we didn't have one really on them. Capable, uh, so therefore we needed a system to yeah, balance it. exactly, just a system to balance it out. And maybe a cross between the two. Something like what Terry has kind of stumbled across or found in the last year or so uh, with the senior team, where you can get the most out of your forward line and the forwards that you have but also be sound at the, uh, at the back as well. It's just just something that I an observation of mine. I'm a big fan of uh, the the minor management team, so I am, um, and uh, of Danny and, and the lads, Larry and that. And I just I just like to see if they are that maybe they tweak it a little bit for next year. Fingers crossed. Anyway, we we look forward to that. So after a very very long McAvoy Super Value, we are Kevin podcast. We're going to wrap it up here. When's the throwing game tomorrow? Is it? Oh, sorry, I was asleep there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the stuff Paul what I tell you when you started always keep them interested it was great this was brilliant entertainment so it was as always um, we will be bringing you podcast next week uh, hopefully we'll have some more guests in we get some of the Tyrone point of view in the coming weeks as well and uh, we'll be looking forward we'll be catching up or uh, maybe linking up with the Team Talk Mag guys there to see if they can bring a bit of the uh, the Tyrone views on the Ulster semi-final coming ahead but uh, thanks to Mickey Brennan and to Paul Fitzpatrick Patrick and to Niall McCoy from Gaelic Life for their contributions on today's podcast. Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one toward the price of branded labels. McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local.